Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. everybody this morning. How are you guys doing? All right. Some of you, some of you are doing good. Some of you are like, get to it already. <laughs> That's all right. Hey, um, this is, this is a, just a really weird spring, isn't it? I mean, it's like today's supposed to be the hottest day of the year so far, uh, but it's also supposed to like just about snow later this week. So it's just the never-ending story this year. Not okay. I'm ready for summer. I'm ready for my tan. I'm ready to Go out and have fun. Uh, Yeah, let's get out and let's go do stuff outside. Um, Anyway, this this uh, this week coming up, we have a men's event here called the Return that we do, um, and we're super excited. We've got twelve men going up, and it's just going to be an absolutely amazing uh, life transformation experience for them. Just just absolutely incredible. Um, I was just up with a team preparing the area for the men that are coming up, and um, I was cutting some. So cutting some wood so we could do a little bit of fire fire at night with the guys. and um, <clears throat> So I'm, I'm really sore because I was running a chainsaw all, all day. And I told them, hey, I'm a pastor. I don't work this hard. Like, you don't see any calluses here. Come on. Like, this is, <laughs> this is terrible. But um, so anyway, so here I am today with my sore back and my, uh, my weekend, in my weekend state. All right, whatever. Um, I'm having fun. We, um, as, just so you know, we're working towards expanding our, our space, our facility, and just wanted to make you aware that uh, the financing and everything is in line. It's on, it's on pace for where it should be, and we're, we're just waiting to move forward on that project. We should begin uh, the project in September-ish, and so you'll start to see some changes around here then. But it's just really incredible to see what, what God is doing, and, and just he's just opened up incredible doors and given uh, your church just favor with the people it needs favor with to be able to, to do what it's doing. So it's a lot of fun. Um, my wife is an absolute extrovert. She, she loves having fun. She loves being around people. I, I like to call her the walking party. She's just having fun. Wherever she goes, she's having fun. Do I have any extroverts in the house? I, yeah, I got a couple of you. Yeah, the ones making noise. That, that's you guys. And <clears throat> I'm an introvert. Like, I love people. I love talking to people. But I have to retreat to my cave, you know. <laughs> Do I have any introverts? You know, you, you like people. It doesn't mean you dislike people. It just means that, like, you've got to <gasps> come up for air. <laughs> you know? And, and uh, my wife, uh, being her extroverted self, uh, she loves on my birthday to surprise me by taking me to the kind of restaurants that do birthday surprises, which is exactly what I want when I'm on my birthday. And so, so she'll go to the places that they, they put the sombrero on you and they all come around, they're singing the song like, yeah, like it's in Spanish. And I don't even know the words and they're singing and you're like, ah. She loves, like she loves her favorite two birthday things to bring people to. One, there's this uh, this place, I forget where it is, somewhere nearby that, that you wear a sombrero and then they give you salt shakers and you have to like shake like this with the salt shakers while they sing the song and clap for you. Like It's very embarrassing and my wife loves it. One year she took me to the worst place ever for your birthday and that is Joe's Crab Shack. It's the worst. Because what they do is they, they put this little tiny cowboy hat on your head, and then they give you a broom with a horse head on the end of it, and they have you run around the restaurant going, yee Like everybody's like cheering for you. It's, it's the most embarrassing thing in the world, like to get pushed out of your comfort zone, isn't it? It's terrible. Yeah, but sometimes you, gotta, sometimes you have to get pushed out of your comfort zone, and sometimes you got to 
push someone else out of their sort of center of gravity. This, this summer we went on vacation and we were uh, in, in California going to the beaches and we quickly realized that we have a wonderful tool to get the best spot on the beach. And that tool is called children. <laughs> so what you do, you just send your kids. Like you're like, we want to be right there. We'll be there in about 30 minutes. Just go be right there. We'll be right there. And the kids go down and they're playing, they're making noise and they're throwing sand in the air and they're just being wild. And sooner or later, the people that are already set up there are going to get up and leave and give you that spot. Like it's just... It's incredible. We've done the same thing for fishing holes. If you want to fish in a certain spot, you just send the boys down. Like, hey, just go down there, throw rocks, have fun, and, and I'll be right there. Like, it's the, or restaurants, if there's a table, like it's a, you seat yourself. You just have the kids go stand next to somebody that needs to leave anyway. You know what I'm saying? But the truth is we, we all uh, get, get sort of pushed by life out of our center of gravity. Life has this incredible way of, keeping us off balance and pushing us. And, and, and often it's just circumstances, it's just things. But there are times when it's more than just things. I, I was talking to a guy recently that he said, you know, I, the, the scripture says that David encouraged himself in the Lord and I've been living for God all my life and sometimes I just don't know how to do that. Sometimes that's just harder than it sounds. And I think that's true. I think sometimes it's just, it's harder. And, and, and the reason is, is because we're dealing with more than just the circumstances. We're dealing with more than just what you can put your hands on, more than what you see. The reality is that we live in a world that is both spiritual and physical. And as believers, we often forget that. We forget that we, we live in this dual world where there are, there are real spiritual things going on and there are real physical things going on. And, and we, when we talk about dealing with those situations, those sort of spiritual things, we call it spiritual warfare. And at this moment, like, there's like half the people in the room are like, oh, great, it's going to get weird. Like, <laughs> it just, it's about to get weird. No, it's, it's, it's not. For the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about spiritual warfare. But spiritual warfare is not weird. People are weird. People are weird. But the Apostle Paul gives us a very simple instruction on how to deal with spiritual situations. And let me clarify, when I start talking about this sort of a thing, people land typically on one side or the other. There's people that, that as soon as I tar- start talking about the idea that there are spiritual forces at work, uh, they start seeing uh, demons and angels under every rock, behind every situation, right? Like, like you, you, you buttoned your shirts wrong, so your, your buttons are like this, and the devil was fighting you. Like, it was, the devil made me do it. Like, no, like, the devil didn't burn your toast this morning. That's not his grand agenda. Like, that was not the devil. Um, the devil didn't make you lose your keys. You know, like, that wasn't the devil, and then there's people on the other side that say, like, no, there, there is no spiritual activity. There's no, nothing going on there at all. And the truth is it's in the middle. It's in the middle. There, there truly are spiritual forces at work. And, and if you believe the Scripture, if you believe it just at face value for what it says, you would see that the, the Scripture plainly says that there are spiritual forces at work in our lives. Here's what Paul says and how to deal with them. He says it like this. I'm going to kind of camp in Ephesians mostly. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says it like this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Everybody say stand. Against the schemes of the devil. Did you know the devil has schemes? This is the Apostle Paul, and he says, the devil has schemes. He's got agendas. He's got purposes. In fact, your Bible says it like this, do not be deceived in regards to the enemy. He has schemes. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to 
withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. I think it's important to note that Paul, Paul clarifies, he says this, you're not actually wrestling against flesh and blood, but you're actually wrestling against spiritual wickedness that you cannot see. When he says heavenly places, it doesn't mean evil forces are with God somewhere in heaven. We're talking about a spiritual world, an unseen world. And he says, don't be confused. It's actually not the flesh and blood. Like, like what you're fighting against, it may seem like it's your coworker that you're fighting against. Like it's it's your mother-in-law that you're, but that's not your enemy. Your mother-in-law is not your enemy. It's not flesh and blood. It's spiritual wickedness. Because if we're not careful, it's so easy for us to, to point the finger at the things we see. And so we think our real problem is it's, it's some political leader. That's the real problem. That's the real evil in the world. It's that political leader. Or, or the real problem is the man. Or the real problem is whatever it, it might be, power structures, whatever it might be. That's not the real problem in the world. The real problem in the world is that there are real spiritual forces at work we don't wrestle against the people we see. The people are good people. The people are God's children. But there are spiritual forces at work in the world around you. I think when we talk about how to, how to deal with spiritual warfare, we, we initially think, well, what it takes to, to win the war of the spirit, it takes like a really strong Christian. I, I've got to be... Like some bowed up Christian with no neck, you know, like I'm going to, I'm just going to be super strong in the Lord. Like that, that's somehow going to defeat an unseen enemy. Or we think that the way we battle the spiritual battle is by perfectionism. We, we just try to achieve perfection. I'm going to cross every T. I'm going to dot every I. I'm going to do everything right. I'm not going to miss any marks. I'm going to be perfect. But can I tell you? That the trying to be perfect is not the way you win a spiritual war. You, you, don't, you don't do it that way. And, and, and trying to be like super powerful, like I'm just going to be super strong. Like, 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 well, let me jump back. Perfection, perfectionism doesn't help you win the spiritual battle, but it is God's plan that you would be mature and complete, perfect, lacking nothing. Like, like we never achieve perfection, but we are to walk towards the perfection of God in our life. In fact, this summer, we're going to do a whole collection of messages on the fruit of the Spirit. This is the way God develops this thing in us. It's not through us being perfect individuals who never fail. It's, it's that we allow his fruit that's already there to, to bloom inside of us. But the same thing with power. Like, power is not how you win a spiritual fight. God has power for you. This is the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says that after you receive the Holy Spirit, you would have power to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Like it's God's plan that you would have power to be able to step anywhere and, and display the authority of God. But that's not how you win a spiritual battle. Paul gives us a very clear, very simple instruction on how to fight a spiritual battle. He says it like this, and having done all, stand. The way we handle spiritual warfare is actually quite simple. We don't run around in circles. We don't get frothy at the mouth. We don't, we don't get all crazy and in a frenzy. What we do is we stand, stand firm, because the battle is not flesh and blood, it's not your coworker. It's not your, your circumstances. It is spiritual battle. And the way we deal with it is we stand. I'm going to get to that in a second. It says that this is in heavenly places. Again, it sounds weird. Like, why would God have evil spirits in heavenly places with him? Well, here, it also says you're in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, it says this, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what's going on is he's really opening the veil so that you can see the unseen world beyond. The truth is this, is that in this unseen world, there are 
evil forces at play, but the other truth is that you are seated with Christ in those same in the same spiritual sphere. If you are in Christ Jesus, according to this passage, you're, you're with him. You're standing with Jesus. Like, you, you, are, you are in solidarity with Jesus. This, this is important because it, it's showing us that you are not just the, the flesh and blood. You're not just the man or woman that's sitting in a, in a church right now. In fact, I'll say it like this. We are spiritual beings primarily with physical attributes. We are spiritual beings with emotional attributes. We are spiritual beings with intellectual attributes. But we are first spiritual beings. And in our American westernized culture, we have, we have bought a lie that we are first physical and that we address the spiritual needs as sort of an accessory that we add to our lives to make us better people. And, and as much as our culture likes to deny that there is a, a spiritual world in effect, can I just say, it, it doesn't take a lot of time to scroll through the feed of Amazon Prime or Apple TV or Netflix and recognize that our culture is fascinated with the unseen World, And it's not because it's something they've conjured up and they've come up with. It's because it is a reality that we live in that believers for centuries have been aware of. And unfortunately, so many of us lose the battle simply because we don't know we're at war. That's what happened to us during 9-11, isn't it? The reason we got hit in the Twin Towers... We just didn't know we were at war. I'll, I'll talk to people sometimes and they'll say things like, uh, you know, Pastor, I've been, been praying, I've been going to church, I've been, been trying to live for God. I just don't feel it anymore. I don't feel it. For a long time I've just been going through the motions and I just don't feel it. And when they say that, I, I know exactly what they mean because there are Seasons of my life when I just didn't feel it. But can I tell you that the Bible says we walk not by sight, we walk by faith. Let me say it another way. We, we don't walk by our feelings. We walk by faith. And I can tell you for me, anytime I've gone through a season where I didn't feel the presence of God, where, where I pray and nothing, I just didn't, I was just going through the motions. Anytime I exited those seasons, I would look back and realize, wow, I really grew through that season. Because in that season, you're not walking based on the feeling. You're not walking based on the emotion. You're walking purely on faith in Christ Jesus. It's like growth. You cannot observe growth in your children. You don't look at your child and be like, wow, you're, you're really great. The way you know, like the way that I know that my teenage boy has sprouted this past year is when I stand him up against the wall and I look at the benchmarks from where he was and I realize, oh, you have, you've grown taller than your mom in the last six months. It's in those moments when I look back and I compare to a benchmark that I see the growth. And in those seasons of not feeling it, we think, man, I'm just, maybe God has abandoned me. He hasn't abandoned you. Something's growing inside of you. You just don't know it. And so in this Christian faith, and, and not just Christian faith, in the world at large, it is a reality we live in. There is both an unseen world and a seen world. And there are things that are seen that originated from the unseen world. I'm not saying every bad thing comes from the unseen world, and I'm not saying every good thing comes from the unseen world, but I am saying be aware it is a reality that often things that are seen come from the place that is unseen. And what happens is we think, we think it's just a coincidence that the same scenario keeps 
popping up in our life. We, 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 we feel like this. Like I just feel like I'm constantly bombarded by the circumstances, situation, what's going on. And we just think, oh, it's just, it's, I'm, my patience is just being tested over and over and over again. And, and what's really going on is there is an unseen world and there's an enemy of your soul that is at work. And it's not the people that you're losing your patience with that is the enemy. It's the unseen world. And so what we do is we try to fix the symptom. We say that the problem here is, the real problem is, is that the thing that I'm seeing in my real world. It's the real problem is this, this issue I'm seeing. It's this person I'm dealing with, and that's not the problem at all. An example would be when... My, my wife just preached last week, which was her first time ever preaching. I thought she did great. I just want to say that. <clears throat> first time ever. And she did three services, which is not easy to keep your mind straight. And so she did great. And we left here and straight to the office. And when we got to the back in the office, my little boy, he's nine, he was back there holding his ear and like, and like curled up in a ball like he was trying to protect his, his you know, when, you, when you're trying to protect yourself, you curl up to protect. It's just an instinct. And they, he's doing the kicking thing. He's doing the, and, and, I, and I see that, and I know exactly what that is because I had ear infections all the time as a kid. What's going on is there's pressure in his eardrum, and it's like it, you, can't, you can't soothe that pain. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like it's the worst thing ever, and it feels like a pencil in your ear. And, and, um, and I see this, and... And in that moment, I, I have options. We can either soothe the symptom or deal with the source. To soothe the symptom would be easy. I could just hold him and just kind of rock him and try to comfort him, maybe put some heat on his ear, maybe give him some Tylenol to take down a little bit of swelling and, and just kind of soothe the symptom of pressure in his ear. But what that boy really needed was not for me to just put heat on his ear. What he really needed was for me to take him to primary care and say, I need someone to prescribe amoxicillin to this little boy so that he doesn't have this problem anymore. I'm saying so many of us, we're trying to put out the fires in our life, put out the fire in our marriage. And what we don't realize is that there's actually a spiritual priority that has not been set in our marriage yet. We have to win the war in the spirit first. Like we're, we're, we're constantly trying to, trying to chase, like chase the dream and trying, trying to climb up the ladder. We feel like we never experienced success yet. And so we're constantly putting out fires of insecurity and doubt. And the truth is we have to win the war of the spirit and knowing who we are in Christ Jesus because we are in a world of war. And the opposite is true. The opposite is that, that there are things that are not seen in the reality of, of the life we live yet that come from the unseen world. They're coming from there, but they're not seen yet. Here's what Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heaven, heavenly places. He, he's already blessed you, but it's in the spiritual side of things. He's, he's already blessed you, but it's in the unseen side of things. And I think often we, we're, we're praying, asking God to answer a need, answer a prayer, and we're thinking like, God, why are you not answering this situation? Why aren't you meeting this need? And the truth is he's already met it. He's already answered. He's already provided. We just haven't seen it yet. In fact, Jesus in the Lord's Prayer, he says it like this. Matthew chapter 6, he says, "Your king, this is in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. This is how he instructs us to pray. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is telling you to pray in a way that requests that what happens here reflects what's happening there. Which means... That what's going on here is not always the will, like it's not the, the direction or the, the desire of God. He's saying, call the will of God from heaven to happen here. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I say it's not God's will that you would just keep circling through the same emotions and feel like you're just in this never-ending spiral of life. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. The Bible says that all good gifts come down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. 
I'm just saying, like, God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. You may not see it right now. But that doesn't mean stop. Because ultimately there is opposition even to the good things of God in your life. In our American Christianity, we, we quickly run to the place of like, oh, I believe in Jesus. Everything's easy. I can rest on my laurels. I can relax. I can just, I'm, I'm good. Everything's good. But the truth is the scripture clearly indicates that there is spiritual opposition to the good things of God for you. A great example of this is in the book of Daniel. You can read it for yourself. Daniel begins to fast and pray. And as he's fasting and praying, the Bible says for 21 days, an angel of the Lord was dispatched on day one. And Daniel never experienced the the resolution of the issue until day 21. And the angel, when he comes to Daniel, he says, the reason I was not here is because there was a spiritual entity, he calls him the prince of Persia, that was holding me back from bringing your answer. I'm just telling you, like, you may be praying for an answer. You may be praying for recovery. You may be praying for a situation. Don't stop praying. It's not that God is withholding because he's somehow unkind or, like, not good. It's that he answered Daniel right away, but there is still opposition. Like, don't give up on God just because there's opposition in your life. You didn't think I was going to talk about spiritual warfare on a Sunday morning. That's all right. We are. Mama, listen. You can raise your kids right. You can teach them right. But what you need to do first is win the battle of the spirit. Husband, you can try to be a good husband. You can try to be kind and patient. What you really need to do is win the battle of the spirit because there are there are. Forces at work that try to prevent the work of God in your life. And we can just deal with symptoms. Or we can say, I'm going to get a hold of God. We're going to deal with this thing. So the enemy of your soul, the way he... The way he fights us is really simple. Often he'll, he'll lull us to sleep. He just convinces us that, that really you're not at war. And this is, this is the, the American church. We have such... Uh, inept believers simply because we don't believe that we're at war. (laughs) Like we're just getting punched in the face all day, all week long, and we're like, I don't know what the problem is. The problem is you are at war. Or he sows lies into our world. he'll, He'll sow lies. The Bible says that he is... The father of lies. The Bible also calls him the accuser of the brethren. He, I love that in the King James. The, the accuser of the brethren. Like that's, like that's not a word we use. But, but what it means is like the way the enemy works is he accuses. And don't get it in your mind. So we, we do this as American believers. We say, oh, there's no real power there. Well, you, you're wrong. He does have real power, but the only power he has is power that has not been taken from him yet. And, and, and he'll sow lies. The way he primarily works is through lies and through accusation. And so, so we'll hear these, like the story, the narrative in our mind starts changing. Like, like you're just, you're just a, a, a terrible person. You're just a terrible person. You're just a terrible, like you're not good enough. God doesn't love you. You're not good enough. And, and, and you think it's you coming up with that. But I'm telling you, there is an accuser who is constantly sowing lies into your world. Listen, the key to overcome in spiritual warfare is this. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. And that sounds like a Christian cliche. It sounds like some sort of cheerleading, like, ah, we don't fight for the victory. But we fight from a place of victory. But the truth is this. That has to be a cemented theological belief in your mind that you recognize that Jesus Christ has already won the battle. He's already finished the fight. You stand. The Bible says this, that when you're in Christ, this is Paul, Ephesians, when you are in Christ Jesus, it says you are seated with Christ in those unseen places. You're already in that. You already have the victory. You're not trying to fight for victory. You're not trying to be perfect. 
you know, like overcome for, for victory. You have the victory. You, you already have the victory. So when Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 gives us a strategy for overcoming spiritual warfare, he does not tell us to run to a mountain and find a holy man to anoint us with water and, and some oracle to speak over us. That's not what he says. He does not tell us to go find someone that can do incantations to somehow deal with the spiritual situation. No, he doesn't tell us to run around in circles like we've lost our mind. He says one thing, it's very clear. When you're dealing with spiritual warfare, he says this, and after having done everything, what we do is we... We stand. Why? Because you already have the victory. You're already with Christ in those exact same heavenly places. Your identity is in Christ in those heavenly places. So if you're a believer in the house today, if your faith is in Jesus Christ, if you are in him, you are seated with him, and you can win the fight by simply standing with him. You don't need to run and chase and clamor and fight. You stand with him, and you win the fight. Think about it like this, like the Garden of Eden. I'm sure you've heard the story of the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve. And, 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 and here's what the scripture tells us, that it's like, it's the perfect world. Like, like it's, it's amazing. Like husband and wife, uh, not wearing any clothes. It's just amazing. And, and then there's like, somebody's like, what? This is a perfect place. Like there's no deceit. There's no lies. It's like there's no insecurity. Like they're, they're completely like just, just in this great place. There's no gas prices at four dollars. 53 cents a minute or uh, 53 cents a, a gallon. There's no, uh, you know, Californians flooding the Idaho roads. Like that. <laughs> it's this perfect place. We love you guys. Come on. My wife is one. <laughs> but it's, it's a perfect place. And, and the enemy sneaks in and he sneaks in through through questioning the word of God. He sneaks in through lies. He sneaks in through adding to the word of God. What's amazing is he gives them this whole thing. Basically, the, the lie he's presenting to her is this. It's FOMO. It's you're missing out on the goodness God has for you. God, he's all right, but he, he's not being completely honest with you. There's more you could have. That's what he's telling her. And so they respond to the lie from, from the enemy, and they fall prey to his deceit. Imagine with me for a second. Because what happens is they hear the lie, they believe the lie, they agree with the lie, they act on the lie, and in so doing, they're sinning. But imagine with me if Adam and Eve had simply said nothing and done nothing. They would have won the battle not by puffing up in front of the enemy, not by, you know, screaming at the enemy. If they had simply said nothing and done nothing, they would have won. I'm just telling somebody today, sometimes the best thing you can do is shut your mouth and don't run anywhere, don't go anywhere, just stand firm in the fact that you are in Christ Jesus you're seated with him in heavenly places. He's already won the battle. You don't need to prove it. You don't need receipts. He's already done it. Yeah. It would change the world. Like, like imagine if Adam and Eve had just listened to Nancy Reagan or been through the, the D.A.R.E. program in the 80s and known, just say no. Just, just, just say no. It would have been a completely different story. And the Lord asks them, he says this, he says, who told you this? Who told you that I was withholding from you? You ever feel like that? Like, God's just withholding from me. There's something I want in my life, and God is the one preventing me from experiencing it. That's a lie from the enemy, church. So who, who told you 
that, that, that God is withholding? Like, who told you that your marriage isn't going to last? Who told you that your daughter is not going to live for the Lord? Who told you that you weren't good enough for the career that God had placed in your heart because it was part of God's plan and calling in your life? Who told you you weren't good, good enough for that? Who told you that you weren't pretty enough? And who told you that you weren't smart enough? Who told you that you didn't have what it takes to start a business? Who told you that you can't trust other people so you have to withdraw from other people? Like, like you see that, like, like that, like the idea, like you can't trust people. You, I'm the only one that's going to take care of me. That's a lie from the enemy. Because what he's doing is he's sowing a seed into your mind that says, the way I will overcome is by isolating myself from everybody else. I'll be a Christian. I'll be a believer. I'm just not going to get around anybody else. I'm just going to do my own thing. And I'm just here to tell you today, you won't actually do what you've set out to do because you need other people. You need the presence of God and you need the presence of his people. It's been God's plan since the beginning is he works through people. Who told you that you needed a degree to be able to teach the Bible? What's going on is the enemy is is attempting to get you to move. Because you are already seated with Christ in heavenly places. This is why Paul says the way we respond is, I'm not moving. He's getting you to be... Convinced that maybe I'm not seated with Christ. Maybe I need to earn my way into this thing. Maybe I, need to, maybe I need to build a relationship over here or do this over here. No. I'm in Christ. I don't need to move. James chapter 1 says it like this. Blessed is the man who's, who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. God does not tempt you. Then it says, but each one is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. The enemy of your soul knows people, and he knows what different kind of people like. So I grew up in Alaska fishing. That's, that's how it, did any other fishermen in the house? Anybody fish? Has anybody got a fishing pole? Like you've got a fishing pole somewhere? Like anybody got a fishing pole here with them today? Like you, you got one in the truck? This is great. Oh, look at this. Nathan's got a fishing pole with him. Let's give Nathan a hand. Let's go. You thought coming to church was bringing a Bible. It's uh, being prepared was a Bible. It's being prepared was bringing a tackle box for somebody. But growing up as a kid in southeast Alaska, I, I, I learned how to catch all kinds of fish. Never on a pole like this. This is an ultralight for Idaho fish. The, the, the kind of fish we would catch was halibut. And the, and the bait we would use for halibut, we'd go down to where other people were catching salmon in the first thing in the morning. And we would go to their, their piles, the fillet piles at the docks, and grab just, just fill a bucket full of other people's scraps, the fish heads and skeletons and fins. And then we'd head out to a place called Viscari or Lazaria. And we'd go out there and we'd drop that salmon head down to the bottom of the ocean, just let it sit there, and a monster halibut would just take that thing. And then when we wanted to catch a salmon, the way we would do it is we would have this big flasher. It's like this big. It just flashes this bright. It looks like scales. And on the back of it, we would have a little bit of bait. And, and those salmon would come along and they hit that thing while you're trolling. And then when I was 12 years old, we moved to the Yukon in northern Canada, and, and I learned to fish a completely different way. We, we got rid of the deep sea poles, and we started fishing for lake trout and for grayling and for my favorite fish in the world, northern pike. Northern pike are amazing because they don't, they don't bite salmon heads. They're not after all that. Northern pike is, is basically a freshwater barracuda, and what they love is little things like a frog that's swimming on top of the water. It's so much fun as a kid to watch a fish take a bait right off the top of the water. In fact, my favorite lure as a kid was uh, I had this balsa wood duckling that when you'd pull him in, his little, his little paddles would, would make it look like he was swimming. And those pike, just they just love little ducklings. So it just, it's really morbid, I know. But they would like hit that thing. It was amazing. Like my childhood is like sitting on a lake called Little Atlan Lake 
fishing into the evening, wolves howling and catching pike on duck uh, on little ducks. One day, a, a pike took the duck and left, and I, I've never been able to find one since. But the enemy of your soul, he knows exactly what he needs to put in front of her. He knows exactly what he needs to put in front of him. He knows that you're, you're, you're a married man. I know exactly what to put in front of you. You're a, you're a single woman. I know exactly what to put in front of you. You're somebody still trying to figure out what your identity is. I know exactly what to put in front of you. This is how he works. One of the first things that he, one of the first baits that he uses, I'm just going to give you a couple, is your circumstances. He'll put your circumstances in front of you. And the bait of the circumstances to get you to get out of believing and trusting that you are in Christ. That's the purpose. He's going to throw a bait in front of you. Negative circumstances do not mean that God is not present because that's what happens, right? Like he's going to throw sickness into your life, and we begin to think, well, because I'm sick and God has not healed me yet, then God must not be a healer. You've moved out of the position. No, 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 no. Our, our experiences do not create our theology. You know what creates our theology? Is the word of God. So even if I'm dealing with sickness that has not gone away yet, I still believe that he is Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. I, I might have lost my job, and I feel like, man, I, I wish God would bring a new job, and I don't, I, don't see, I don't see the provision yet. Maybe God doesn't actually provide for his people. And can I tell you that he is still Jehovah Jireh? Like, I would, I would rather walk through five years of difficulty waiting for the goodness of God that's on the other end of that difficulty to see him open the windows of heaven in my life than to just go off and try to figure it out myself. Because the, our circumstances will change the way we view things. We'll have things like church hurt. We, we go to church and we get hurt, and so we call it church hurt. It's, just, it's fun. But can, can I just be honest with you guys? Like, there's no such thing as church hurt. There's people hurt. That's what we're really, like, it would be church hurt if we all, like, okay, let's take a vote. Like, how many people don't like Nancy? You know what I mean? Like, that would be church hurt. But that's not what it is. What it is is somebody makes a decision that hurts our feelings. Somebody says something that they should have tempered and it hurts. Or, or somebody, maybe you're spending time with somebody else. And you, like, like, that's what it boils down to. It's just people, because here's the deal. We're all people. We're all flawed. And it doesn't matter how amazing a church is, we screw it up. I've been hurt by people in church many times. And I've hurt people in church many times. Why? Because I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. In fact, let me make a promise to you. If you'll just stick around this church long enough, I promise I will offend you. But what happens is the enemy will use that as a bait. Ooh, they weren't there for you when you needed them. They didn't know the situation that was going on in your life. They should have known. They should have been more in tune with what was going on. You know what happens? <clears throat> Church is fraud. It's fake. It's all hypocrites. It's unnecessary. I, I'll just do. It's a bait. It's a bait. He uses our desires. Hey, the, the things we want out of life. Really, sin, easiestly, the easiest way to describe sin is, is fulfilling a legitimate need with an illegitimate way. Great desires that, that are just answered the wrong way. So the, the desire for, for an education, that's a great thing, but he'll use your desire to finally finish that term paper, and you'll go ahead and you'll cheat on your term paper just to be able to get that desire of education, and now you've created a new a new benchmark in your life where you're willing to sacrifice things just for success. The, the desire for intimacy. Intimacy is a beautiful thing. It's how God originally designed humans. He wants them to be intimate with each other. But what will happen is in our desire for intimacy, we will, we will sell our character for a desire to fill something that God has a plan for. Ambition, it's great to have ambition. Godly ambition is a great thing, but if it's untempered, you'll find yourself cheating in a business deal, pulling the wool over someone's eyes just to get a step up. Or the desire for success on the job, you'll find yourself selling yourself to the point that you would 
talk negatively about a coworker and push them down the ladder just so that you can get a promotion. That's a bait. The approval of other people, desiring people to speak about you well or to think about you well. And so what you do is you chase perfectionism and you're making sure that you're right all the time. And at the end of the day, you're just frustrated with yourself and really mostly frustrated for, at everybody else for not recognizing how incredible you are. Or maybe for you, it has to do with your calling and you think that they don't recognize your gift and it frustrates you because you wish I, they don't recognize my gift. They don't recognize who I am in God. I, and so what we'll do is we'll go off chasing someone that will that will acknowledge our gifting. Can I just say this? Like, the calling comes through prayer. Gifting comes through practice. Different things. Don't confuse your calling and your gifting. Like, I'm called. Like, they, they, they don't recognize my gift. Maybe they're waiting for something to be developed inside of you. Maybe they recognize that the gifting can just be a honed skill. Calling is a deep relationship with God. Different, different things. So I would say, like, continue working on your craft, but don't forget, work on the calling piece. Get, get in tune with what God is doing in your life. In fact, I would say it like this. If you don't recognize the difference between gifting and calling, you will prostitute your calling to whoever honors your gifting. And then he works through our fears. FOMO, like, like the world's just going to be amazing in just one second. It's like trying to put little kids to bed. You know why it's so hard to put little kids to bed? Because they think the world's best party is about to pop off the moment their eyes close. It's going to be amazing. And so they won't go to sleep because they're afraid. They're about to miss out on like all the friends and family coming to the house at 8.30. The enemy of your soul will do the same thing. You're, you're going to miss out on the good things of God. You're, you're going you're to miss out on the good things of life. God is withholding from you. As the band would come, I, I want to say this. According to Paul, there's a very clear, very simple way that we respond to spiritual warfare. It's not hype. It's not crazy. What it is is this. Know that if you are in Christ, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And then his instruction is quite simple. Don't move from there. Stand. You know, I, I've done ministry my entire adult life. And I know pastors that are more gifted than me. I had friends in Bible school that were 10 times the preacher that I am. People that could sing, people that seemed to have the whole package. And sometimes I wonder, like, why, why aren't they still doing ministry? What's going on? You know, my secret weapon is it's not, it's not that I'm a really good preacher. You guys know that. It's not that I'm really administratively gifted because anyone in the office knows that's not true. It's not that I'm an organizational genius because, again, anyone in our office knows that's not true. The secret weapon is simple. I'll just stand all day long. I'll just keep standing. The talk about me, I'll still stand. Hurt my feelings, I'll still stand. I feel like I'm, I'm not recognized, still stand. Like I'm just telling somebody, like whatever God has placed in your life, the, the plan and the purpose God has placed in your life, the answer is not to be more gifted. The answer is to say, God, I'm just not leaving. They can't, they can't get me off this place. I'm standing, I'm staying put. In fact, Paul, so Paul says stand. So let me give you three places to stand. Number one, stand in trust. I would have used the word faith, but I think sometimes American, like, I, I, I'm a, I believe in the power of faith. I believe in the power of, like, I believe God heals. I, I believe all that. But I think we get it wrong. We think that faith is this, this invisible energy that we, that we use to accomplish the will of God, like Ryu. Arukin. All my 90s kids are like, yeah. But here's the deal. That's not what the Greek word is. It's not invisible energy. It causes God to do things. It's not a purple blob. What it is is pistio. It means trust. It means trust. Like the three Hebrew children, our God can save us from the fiery furnace, and even if he doesn't, we still won't 
bow. I'm telling somebody today, the way you handle this is you say, I'm going to stand firm in trust. God, come, he'll, he'll intervene on my behalf. But even if he doesn't, I trust him because my trust in him, my, my reliance on him is not based on an answered prayer. It's based on the goodness of God. And I trust him. I stand here. I don't move. I don't, I don't get swayed. I stand in the goodness of God. The second one is this. We stand in control. You've just got to come to a place where you say, I'm not just going to pop off every time I, I have a crazy toxic thought. I'm not going to just blow up on people on social media every time. I get, like what I'm going to do is I'm just going to shut my mouth. I'm going to pause my fingers, and I'm just not going to do anything right now. I'm going to let the Lord fight my battles. This summer we're doing a, a whole collection of messages on the fruit of the Spirit. The last one is self-control. And what's so crazy about self-control it's the only fruit of the Spirit that cannot be counterfeited. You cannot counterfeit when you get cut off in traffic and you're late for work. So I'm just telling somebody, we, we say, no, 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 no. I'm going to have control. I'm going to choose what my, I'm going to choose where my mind goes. I'm going to choose that I stay in the presence of God. I, where, I, where I am centered is with Christ in heavenly places. In the part of the world I don't see, I'm with him. Like, so I'm going to enter into the presence of God. I was talking to somebody just this week. They're going through it. And I said, get alone. Get in a room. Turn on some worship music. And you just get a hold of God. Like you just, just with abandon, get a hold of but Why? Because the presence of God is full. The Bible says in the presence of God there is fullness of joy like like at his right hand are pleasures forevermore so when I'm going through it I'm going to find myself planted in the presence of God I'm going to find myself consuming the word of God like don't turn to social media and influencers that are 12 years old to somehow tell you how to live your life find yourself planted in the word of God self control I'm going to stand in control I'm going to stand in prayer I'm going to stand in a community of God's people. Why? Because I choose. Stand in control. The last one is the hinge which Paul is hinging on here. I'm going to stand in victory because Jesus Christ has already won the battle. And when the enemy comes running in, all I do is stand. That's why the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. Just stand. And it's amazing that when you come to this place to realize I, I'm in Christ and therefore I am in victory. It's in that place that you realize that a setback is just a setback. And losing a job is just losing a job. And a bad day is just a bad day. And a bad month is just a, a bad year is just 2020. Like a mistake is just a mistake. I'm standing firmly in the victory that Christ has already given me. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. You're seated with him in heavenly places. Here's how, as I wrap it up, last verse. Stand with me. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, and see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. I'm, I feel compelled by God to head to Jerusalem. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there. So I feel compelled by God to go. I don't know what's going to happen. And then he says this funny, it's a funny line. He says, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulation await me. <laughs> you, know that, you know what he's saying? Like in every city he goes, the Holy Spirit is speaking through people that chains and tribulation await him. Like, anybody need a word from God today? He's like, I don't know what's going on here, but everywhere I go, I'm getting words. Chains and tribulation await. And then he says this, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I'm just telling somebody, like I don't mean to be callous and hard, 
But as believers that are in Christ Jesus, we've got to come to a place where none of these things move me. Lost my job doesn't move me. Frustrated, disappointed by a leader doesn't move me. The, the church making mistakes all over the news media and leaders dropping like flies all over, doesn't move me because my faith is not in some church leader somewhere. My faith is in Jesus Christ alone. Like, like the... The, the political climate, you, it may make you worried, but guess what? It doesn't move me because the answer isn't even in a ballot. The answer is in Jesus Christ. It doesn't move me. I'm going to stand firm. Kids acting like a fool doesn't move me. Somebody like, ah, he's in a word. Would you just kind of raise your hands to the Lord? I just want to... Holy Spirit, come. God, I pray you'd minister to your people right now. Bring a fresh wind of renewal into this place. Lord, there are men and women under the sound of my voice that have had lies whispered into their ears, accusation pointed towards them, and, and, and they're starting to believe that, that who they are is not who you say they are, or maybe thinking that, that you are withholding from them, or, or whatever it might be, and right now we refuse every lie of the enemy. We do not agree with every lie that has been spoken out of the mouth of that vile usurper. Instead, we declare that you are God Almighty. You are the first and the last. You are the beginning and you are the end. You are the source of life and you're where we're headed. And so right now, God, we say, we stand with you in heavenly places. We aren't distracted by the cares of this life. We aren't sidetracked by crazy conversations and toxic people, but instead we choose to shut our mouths and stand firm knowing that you are the author and you are the finisher of our faith. God, I pray right now for that person that's been struggling, that they just have the courage to stand, the courage to remain. When all else has failed, just to remain. Right now in this moment, just keep your, your eyes closed, maybe your head down. Maybe there's somebody that's listening to me and you're like, that's, that's amazing. But I know that I'm not in Christ. Because I'm not in Christ, I'm not seated at the right hand of Christ. Like, I'm, I'm not seated with him in heavenly places. I want you to know, it, it is very simple. It's very easy. He, he's not making you jump through hoops. He wants you to be with him. If that's you today, you recognize you're not in Christ, and you want to change that right now. You, you want to say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. If that's you, would you put your hand up so I can see who I'm praying with? No one else is looking. I see that. I see that. That's good. That's good. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to repent and we're going to believe. Repent means we turn away from the things in our life that we think, do, and say that displease God. And we believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And when we do that, his blood cleanses us from all sin. And he seats us with Christ in heavenly places. Would you pray with me right now? Those of you that raise your hands, maybe some others, just pray something like this. God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. I don't want to do them anymore. I'm turning away from them now. Would you forgive me? I really believe that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and that he rose again three days later. And right now, I'm placing all of my faith and hope in him. Say these words with me. Jesus, 
Be the Lord of my life. And I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. There's some people that just made a huge decision. Come on. It's a big, a big step. And it's just the beginning. It's just entering into a new world, being aware of the new world. We want to walk with you as you move forward from here. I would say, get, if you just made that decision, you need to get what we call plugged in. You need to become a part of a church. Do what a church does. Get, get around a body of believers. If that's here, we would love it. If it's not here, find a church and get involved in what they're doing. Find other believers you can do life with. It matters. God bless you. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys and let's continue to love God, love people and change the world.